Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Middle of chapter 41, page 595. And we discuss the three different intentions that a person, that a Jew has to have when he studies Torah and does a mitzvah. A, you have to fundamentally, essentially, you have to feel your servant, you're serving Hashem. You're doing the Torah, you're doing the mitzvah in order to serve Hashem. Then you also have to feel a love for Hashem. You have to be motivated by a love and a willingness to come close to Hashem, to connect with Hashem through the Torah and the mitzvah. And also, you have to fulfill the mitzvah with a sense of awe of Hashem. Now, he's going to discuss another intention, that it's not enough to have in mind that I'm doing the, the mitzvahs and I'm studying Torah in order to connect my soul with Hashem. But there also has to be a general intent. That a Jew always has to remember that we are part of Klal Yisrael. What makes us Jewish is that we are part of a community. We're part of something larger than ourselves. So even as the individual goes about fulfilling his divine duty and connecting with Hashem and feeling in awe of Hashem and serving Hashem, a Jew has to have an, has to have an intention, part of his intention, that I'm doing the mitzvah not only for my sake, but I'm doing it for the sake of the entire Jewish people. I am a representative of the entire Jewish people. So when I am doing a mitzvah, I am doing it not only for myself, but I'm also doing it for Klal Yisrael, for the Jewish people, for the Jewish whole. This is an essential part of being a Jew, is sensing at all times that I am part of something larger than myself. And therefore, even as you advance spiritually, even as you grow spiritually, your own personal spiritual growth, and your own spiritual advancement, and your own spiritual movement, it's not just you that's advancing, that's growing. When you grow and you advance, you positively affect the entire Jewish people. Because we are one, we are whole, we're all connected, we are a community. And um, this is the, actually the uniqueness of the Jewish people, the sense of community. Yes, we have six billion people, but they have six billion individuals, six billion universes. Every individual is a world, is a universe. You may have connections to other people, you may, but ultimately, you are your own universe. 
But the Jewish people are one. That is our strength. We are one. It's the envy of the world. How the Jewish people are so united, they're so connected. It doesn't matter where a Jew lives. It doesn't matter who they are, they're religious or not, whether they speak the same language or not. Maybe they have nothing external in common. But we're Jewish. We're born to a Jewish mother. Or we converted halachically. We are fused. We are one. We're part of the same soul. It's like one soul divided into 14 million bodies. And this has to be, first and foremost, this has to be a primary part of our thinking. That not only is our individuality not in conflict with the sense of Israel of the whole, but on the contrary. They go hand in hand. Because when, they, when you study Torah, there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. It's not just your conscious self that's studying Torah. Your individual conscious self, your unique personality and character that's studying Torah, that's advancing spiritually, or that's growing, or that's moving forward. But when you study Torah, the Torah also engages your soul. So your conscious mind is studying Torah, but when your conscious mind is studying Torah, also your soul is involved in the studying of the Torah. There's a lot more going on than meets the eye. Just like when you, you want to pull someone towards you. You grab them by the hand and you pull you. You pull them. But when you're pulling them, you're not just pulling their hand. When you pull their hand, you pull their entire soul, the entire person. So when your conscious mind is engaged in studying Torah, it's not just your conscious self that's engaged in the studying Torah. The conscious is just a part of your soul. There's so much more to your soul than your conscious mind. So through your conscious mind, your soul is engaged in studying Torah. And just like the Torah that's revealed to us, the level of the Torah that we can grasp, we can comprehend, but there's also, the Torah is essentially something that's beyond our grasp, beyond our comprehension. It's divine, it's infinite. Every word, every letter in the Torah is infinite. It's divine, it's godly. So when you're studying Torah, yes, your conscious mind is studying the part of the Torah that you can comprehend, that you can understand. But at the same time, also your subconscious mind, your your soul is also engaged in the Torah. So it's not just your mind is fused with with the Torah, the revealed part of the Torah. At the same time, your subconscious self, your soul is engaged and connected to the soul of the Torah, which is Hashem. So it's not just, there's a lot more going on than just on the surface level, on the conscious level, on page 595. You're also connecting with the very, with the essence of Hashem. And Hashem is whole. Hashem is complete. Hashem is perfect. So Hashem contains within Him the whole, the entire Jewish people, not just your individual soul. So when you're studying Torah, 
And when you're studying Torah, your soul, the source of your soul, is also studying Torah. And it's connecting not just with the revealed part of the Torah, it's connecting with the soul of the Torah, with Hashem Himself. So your, your, the soul, the source of your soul, is connecting with Hashem Himself. So the source of your soul is bound up and connected with the, all of the entire Jewish people. Every Jew that's alive, every Jew that ever lived, every Jew that ever will live, it's all one organism, one dynamic organism. So the source of your soul is connected to the source. It's connected to the Hashem Himself. So therefore, it's not just you're connecting as an individual, as a spark, as an individual. But when you're studying Torah, you're schlepping with. It's like you're pulling with the arm, but you're pulling by the arm, you get the whole person. You're not just pulling one organ, one individual organ. When you pull one individual organ, I get the whole soul. So when your individual, your individual self is engaged in studying Torah, doing a mitzvah, you're schlepping with the source of your soul, you're schlepping with the entire Jewish people are coming along for the ride with you, are connecting with you and through you to Hashem. Imagine what a, that lights a fire within you, that I represent the Jewish people. When I'm studying Torah and I'm connecting with Hashem, not only am I connecting with Hashem, but I'm also connecting the entire Jewish people, every Jewish soul with Hashem. At this moment that I'm studying Torah, I can affect that, that unity, that connection. And that's why he says, we say before every mitzvah, many Hasidic groups say this before every mitzvah, our custom is to say it once in the morning, and, and then because we say it once, and we have in mind all the mitzvah that we're going to be doing that day. We say, L'Shem Yichud, that we are connecting. When we, by doing the mitzvah, we're connecting Hashem and His Shechina. We're connecting the entire Jewish people. The general soul, the entire Jewish people. We're connecting with Hashem. Because don't forget, Hashem cares not only about you as an individual. He cares about everyone else as well. He sees the whole. He cares about the whole. About every individual and the whole. So, when you're connecting with Hashem, you love Hashem, you want to get close to Hashem, you also have to have in mind what Hashem has in mind. Hashem loves and cares about everyone. And by you doing your mitzvah, by you doing your thing in your private life, you're also connecting with Hashem. You're connecting the entire Jewish people with Hashem. So this has to be an integral part of a Jew's thinking. You have to think about these things. Not just mouth the words, but actually think about it. And try to mean it as best as you can. In other words, a Jew, you can't just live for yourself. To be a Jew means... You also have to think about the other. Even while you are growing spiritually, personally, individually, in your own personal, private growth, you have to inject a sense of belonging, a sense of connection to something greater than myself.
that I'm part of the Jewish whole, I'm part of the Jewish people. And I'm connecting with Hashem. And not only connecting myself, but connecting the entire Jewish people with Hashem. You want to read the second paragraph, page 595? Yet in fact, the sages of blessed memory have said that a man should never separate himself from the community. Therefore, he should intend to unite and attach to him, blessed be he, the source of his divine soul, and in addition, the source of the soul of the Kaliyah's career. Never separate yourself from the community. Always remember, La'ila means always. Always, not only when you're doing communal things. There are certain things, times, when you need a community. You need to say Kaddish, you need a community. You need to read the Torah, you need a community. But the Talmud says, La'ilam, you should always, at all times, even when you're going about doing your individual service of Hashem. It's between you and Hashem. It's your own personal, spiritual, relation, your own relationship with Hashem, your personal, private relationship with Hashem. So much so that in the prayers, in the, high, in the silent prayer, in the climax of the prayer service, which is the silent prayer, when it's you and Hashem, privately, individually, quietly, Intimately, you have an intimate rendezvous with Hashem. All the prayers are stated in the plural. You don't say, heal me. You say, heal us. You include yourself with everyone else. You never approach Hashem just as an individual. Even in your most private moment, in your most intimate moment, you remember that it's not just you. I represent something that's greater than myself. I represent all of the entire Jewish people. So I'm asking Hashem for their, on their behalf, not just for myself, but also on their behalf. So even in your private moments, that's what the Talmud says, La'olam, you should always, never separate from the community. Even though in Judaism, and this is why Judaism is so genuine, we never sacrifice the individual for the sake of the community. That's the difference between all the isms, communism, all, all the isms, all the false isms. They always sacrifice the individual for the sake of the community. You know, the truth, for the sake of the truth, we have to sacrifice. Of course, who decides who sacrifices who and who sacrifices what? Of course, it was all corrupt. But the whole concept is corrupt. The moment you sacrifice the individual for the sake of the community, you know that you're dealing with a corrupt system. Because the individual is a reflection of the whole. The individual contains the whole. Just like the atom is just as infinitely complex as the whole universe put together. The tiniest is infinite, just like the whole universe is infinite. Because everything is a reflection of Hashem. As the Talmud says, the drop of the sun reflects the entire sun, just like the ocean. Everything is reflected Everything reflects the sun. Everything reflects the infinite, Hashem. So the value of an individual is infinite. So much so that Jewish law states is a radical law in Judaism. And this actually defines the very soul of Judaism. It's unique to the Jewish people. You won't find this law in any book, any country, in any system. Jewish law states there's a million inhabitants that are surrounded by the enemy. And the enemy says, hand us over one individual. One individual. And we'll do with him as we please. We, we want to kill him, whatever we want. And then we'll spear the rest of you. If you refuse to hand over this individual, we're going to wipe 
the entire city. What would you say? What should you do? You're the mayor. You're the president. What do you do? You have a million people who are going to die. And all you have to do to save a million lives is to sacrifice one individual. What would you do? You're the decision maker. You have five minutes to decide. War, you can lose every last soul. A million people are going to die. We're one individual, one helpless individual. What do you do? What would any country do? What would any sane, rational person do? You know what the Torah says you do? Let the whole city die rather than hand over one person. What gives you a right to become a murderer? To save your life at the expense of another person's life? What difference is there between one life and a million lives? The moment you start making calculations, well, it's one versus a million. The moment you start quantifying life, then you have become a murderer. You and the terrorist are the same. There's no difference. You have lost, you have devalued, you have lost the value of life, the sanctity of life. Life has infinite value. One times infinity, a million times infinity, six million times infinity equals the same. Infinity. Life is divine. There are no human fingerprints on life. Life comes from within. All the scientists in the world can't create the life of a fly. Life is purely divine. It's a miracle. And the moment you lose that sanctity of life, so in Judaism, one individual, you save one life, it's been instilled in us for the last 3,800 years, you save one life, You've saved a world. One life is the entire world, the entire universe. Like we just learned. All it takes is one person. Everyone has to view as if the whole world was created for me. That I single-handedly are the one who coronates God as king of the universe. So the individual reflects the whole. So there's no sacrificing the individual for the sake of the community. That's the beginning of all the corruptions. That was the corruption of communism and the corruption of all these falsisms that have long since been buried because they sacrificed the individual for the sake of an ideal. We don't, in Judaism, you don't sacrifice individuals for ideals, for the sake of ideals, for the sake of the community. And yet, at the same time, the individual cannot just live for himself. Talmud says, forever, a person always has to remember that I am part of something larger than myself. I belong to the whole. Klal Yisrael. There always has to be a sense of community. Even when I'm pursuing my own individual spiritual growth, my own intimate relationship with Hashem, I remember that I represent the entire Jewish people. And that becomes part of your thought process. And therefore you think about another Jew. It's not just about yourself. Even when you're lost in thought, when you're lost and engrossed in your own spiritual growth, you always have to remember the person around you. You always have to realize that you're part of something larger. You can't just live for yourself. You have to live also for another. So when you're doing the mitzvahs, you have to have in mind that you should intend to unite and attach to him the source of his divine soul and the source of the souls of all of Israel. Not only am I connecting with Hashem, but I'm connecting the source of my soul and also 
the entire Jewish people. And that's why we all affect each other, positively. When we do a mitzvah, when we strengthen ourselves, we not only strengthen ourselves, we strengthen every Jew in the world. And that's why we all, because we all have moments of weakness, we have moments of strength, but the moment that I am weak, there's someone else out there who's strong, and his strength can carry, help carry me, and vice versa. We all strengthen each other, we all lean on each other, we all help each other, because we're all connected. And even if we don't feel it, but at the source, the source of our soul, feels that connection and senses that connection. So even though we don't feel it, but we have to think about it. We have to be aware of it. That this is the truth. Whether we feel it or not, this is the truth. This is the reality. The reality is that we're all connected. And when I do a mitzvah, I'm connecting not only myself, I'm connecting every single Jew in the world to Hashem. It's an awesome thought. It's a, a tremendous privilege. And yes, tremendous, awesome responsibility. What an awesome privilege. That when you put on the tefillin at this moment, you're not only connecting yourself, you're connecting not only your arms and your heart and your mind, you're connecting the minds and the hearts and the arms of every Jew around the world to Hashem. What an awesome thought. It's not just about me. hard to be selfish. See, because spirituality could be the ultimate ego trip. You become so self-absorbed in your own spiritual growth that you stop noticing. You forget that it's not just about you. There's something much bigger at stake. You're part of something larger than yourself. So you have to inject this awareness into all of your personal endeavors and all your personal spiritual activities. And it's, it's fascinating because this is really what's unique about Judaism is that the sense of community. See, to be spiritual, you can go on a mountaintop and meditate. But it's a very private, very isolated endeavor. In Judaism, you're never alone. A Jew is never alone. You're always connected. You're always part of something larger than yourself. And that gives you tremendous strength. Because it's not, you're not alone. There's no isolated individual. It's true. We're all connected. We all care for each other. And the Rebbe made this, took this, and actually implemented it in real life. Because he made every Jew in the world, he let every Jew in the world know that, that other Jews care about him. He's not alone. He literally sent his personal emissaries. As he said, I would personally love to talk to every Jew in the world, since it's physically impossible. So I'll send my agents. According to Jewish law, an agent represents the sender. So through his agents, he has reached, is trying to reach, will reach every single Jew in the world. It doesn't matter where they live. The most far-flung places, whether it's Mumbai or whether, wherever they may be, or in Korea, in Seoul, Korea, wherever Jews may be, there, there's another Jew who's there. Hey, I'm here. I'm just here for you. Other Jews are thinking about it and care about it. So just knowing that, 
knowing that you're not alone and knowing that we're all connected gives, gives you tremendous strength. That is our strength, our unity, our inner connection. And that takes our personal service to a whole different dimension. Because if it's just your own personal service, no matter how deep it is, no matter how profound it is, it's limited, it's finite. When do you touch the divine? The divine is infinite. It's when you get beyond yourself. When you see beyond your own nose, when there's something greater than yourself, that's when you touch the divine. That's when you're really connecting with Hashem. When you see the whole, you start reflecting the whole. You become part of the whole. Not just a fragment, not just a piece of the puzzle, but you represent the whole puzzle, you represent the whole picture. Suddenly you reflect the whole. And that's why it says that the word used in the Talmud for a minion, for a quorum, is called tzibur. Tzibur is an acronym for three Hebrew names. Tzadikim, Beninim, Rishayim. The righteous one, the intermediate, and the Rasha, the wicked one. All three of them comprise a community. As a matter of fact, if you don't have all three, you don't have a community. Hashem despises the prayer. If, it's, if the entire community is made up of tzaddikim, Hashem despises the prayers. Hashem wants the community has to have all three. Tzaddikim, Beninim, and even Rishayim. But when you become part of the whole, when you approach Hashem as a community, not just as an individual, but you approach Hashem that I am part of the whole, and the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. When you plug in to that energy of Klal Yisrael, of the whole, that energy is eternal. That energy is perfect. That energy is whole. It's like inexhaustible. It's like nuclear energy. When you plug in, then Hashem doesn't view you, doesn't see you as an individual, as a tzaddik, as a rasha. Hashem sees you and answers all your prayers. Hashem does not despise the prayer of a community. Even if individuals in that community are not on the highest level. The opposite of a tzaddik, of a, of, of a saint. But nevertheless, Hashem will answer the prayers favorably. Because when you plug into the Jewish whole, the Jewish whole is perfect. It's always whole and intact. So when your service becomes more than just yourself, your, your own personal private service, becomes part of the Jewish people and you feel that you're representing the Jewish people and you're connecting the Jewish people, it, it elevates your service to a different dimension. It assumes a whole entire new depth, a whole entire new... It has a whole new frame of reference. And it elevates the individual to a whole new dimension, a whole different level. So it's important to have this kavana, to have this intent. A person should never exclude himself from the community. We continue. This source, being the spirit of his mouth, called by the name Shekhina, because it dwells and clothes itself in all worlds, animating them and giving them existence. And it is the Shekhina which imbues him with the power of speech to utter his current words of Torah, or with the power of action to perform the particular commandment at hand. One should thus intend to become united with the infinite Ein Sof light through speaking words of Torah or performing a commandment. For it is the Shekhinah which is the source of its power of speech and action. 
as well as the source of his divine soul and the souls of Klaus Yisrael. Shechina represents Hashem dwelling or revealing himself in this world. That's the energy that animates this world. That's the energy of our soul. We feel our soul. We sense our soul. That's the source of our soul, the source of our life force, of our energy. That's the energy that gives us the energy to move our lips and to speak and to function. This is the life force that pulsates throughout the universe. This all comes from the Shekhinah, Hashem revealing Himself, expressing Himself within us, within the world. That's the, the energy that fills all the world. So when you study Torah and you move your lips and you use your abilities to speak and you use your soul energies and soul abilities, you are connecting with the Shekhinah. You're connecting with the source of your life force, with the source of your soul. So it's not just that you're speaking the words of Torah, but when you're speaking the words of Torah, also the source of your soul is also connected with the Torah, is speaking the words of Torah. So whatever you do affects not just you, but also affects our source. You know, we are like the tip of the iceberg. We notice what we, the tip, we don't realize what's going on underneath the surface. It's like the NASA scientist sitting in Texas and pressing a button. And you're not realizing when you press your button here, billions of miles away, millions of miles away, a satellite is, is turning or, you know, I'm pressing a button. I'm speaking words of Torah. I'm doing a mitzvah. But you don't realize your words of your mitzvahs are affecting, have such an impact, way beyond the things going on you can't even see. But just because you can't see doesn't mean it's not going on. It's like someone once came to a synagogue, a Simchas Torah, and he was shocked. He sees all these adults jumping up and down like children, dancing with the Torah, ecstatically excited. Why are these are adults, mature adults, intelligent adults? Why are they getting so excited? So someone explained to him, he says, imagine someone who is deaf comes to a wedding, he can't hear any music, and everyone is dancing, jumping up and down. Because he can't hear the music. So he doesn't appreciate it. He doesn't understand why is everyone jumping. It makes no sense to him. But if you were to hear the music, you would also be jumping. So when you... The, these people are normal people. Why are they jumping up and down? Because there's music. When you study Torah, there's music. When you press that button, things are happening. Something real is happening. These are not just rituals. Mitzvot are not just rituals. Mitzvot are not customs. Studying Torah is not an intellectual exercise. When you study Torah and do a mitzvah, something very real happens. Things that are happening that are so profound, not only affecting us on the conscious level we're able to grasp and appreciate. That's just the tip of the iceberg. But there's so much more that's going on. The source of our soul is uniting, is connecting with Hashem. Not just our soul on the conscious level. That's just the tip of the iceberg, but even the subconscious and the soul and the source of the soul and the source of the whole life force within the universe. We're connecting, our source is connecting with Hashem. So we're affecting a unity, not just on a personal individual level that I am becoming unified with Hashem and I'm coming closer to Hashem, but I'm also connecting the very source of all the life force within the universe. I'm connecting the whole the source of my soul and the source of the entire Jewish people I'm connecting all of it with Hashem.
Now, just because we can't hear the music doesn't mean that this is not the truth. The tzaddik hears the music. That's why the tzaddik gets all excited. When the tzaddik does a mitzvah, his soul is on fire. He's leaping, he's jumping up and down. When the Baal would pray, he said, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through the prayer. Because his soul could have expired in ecstasy. Because he heard the music. When he prayed, he connected and he experienced that connection. We pray and we pray. <laughs> well, it's, it's like the Kruvin. You know, the Kruvin represents there should be a freshness and childlike approach to Torah all the time, no matter how old you are. That's the command to take that approach. So, therefore, on Simchas Torah, we exemplify that approach. That's a very good example. By the way, that's the difference. All the geniuses throughout history had childlike, never lost their childlike, not childish, but childlike curiosity. That's why they remained geniuses. We all became so smart, and we, we all grew up too quickly. We stopped asking questions, we stopped wondering, and therefore we lose that sense of innocence, that sense of freshness, that sense of excitement, and we grow old quickly, too quickly. The geniuses were the ones who never, never lost that sense of astonishment, that sense of wonder, that sense of... And, um, and therefore, yes, life to them was always fresh and new and exciting and dynamic um, and thrilling. But the, so the tzaddik senses this. The tzaddik hears the music. The tzaddik senses that the mitzvah is something real. He experiences it. It's like a candle. Like we all have a candle inside. Like the, the light of the candle is Nishmat Hashem. It more, it's like the candle, like always light inside of us. Like that's why we are moving. We keep moving and it's like. And that's the that's the individual candle. But in addition, we also have to remember that our individual candle is really a part of a torch. It's part of a huge flame. It's not just the individual but also part of the whole, we're part of Klal Yisrael, something much greater than all of us put together, we're part of something much larger. So when we connect, it's not just we who are connecting as individuals, but we're also connecting the entire Jewish people. We're lighting a fire underneath the soul of the entire Jewish people. Rabbi, how do you know to what extent is it connecting? I mean, you know to what extent it's connecting you because practically you're doing the mitzvah, but the other guy who's not doing anything, you're saying it affects him. Absolutely. To what what extent, how do we know? I mean, first of all, how do we know that? Besides the mere fact that we know in theory, and second of all, how much does it affect him? You you mean the effect, the effect of your... um, You don't always see the effect. Well, firstly, um, we don't know. We can't know what the effect will be. Sometimes the effect is overt, sometimes it's covert, sometimes it surfaces later. You know, the Zohar says that sometimes we walk down the street and we have an inspiring thought. We feel inspired, out of nowhere, out of the blue. Where did this inspiration come from? We didn't prepare for it, we weren't thinking about it, but suddenly we have moments. Inexplicably. You know where it comes from, the Zohar says? Because there's a husband and wife who come together in love and in purity. She went to the mikvah and they come together in love 
and they give birth. Every time husband and wife come together, they give birth. If not physical children, they give birth to a Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit can travel to the end of the world and enters your soul. And that's the sudden feeling of inspiration that you feel suddenly out of nowhere. So we all affect each other. We don't, we don't always realize, we don't always know how, what, when, where. The fact is we're all connected. And the fact is that when you light a candle, a woman lights a candle, she's not only lighting up her own soul, she's lighting up the soul of the entire Jewish people, strengthens the light of the Jewish people. Every time you do a mitzvah, you strengthen not only yourself, you strengthen the entire Jewish people. If we want, if we want the leadership in Israel to be strong, to resist pressure, it's very easy for us to sit and to criticize. You know, when people, when there's such tremendous pressure, we can't even begin to imagine the tremendous pressure that the political leadership in Israel is under, crushing pressure. Yet we demand from them to be strong. But if you really want to help the leadership in Israel to be strong, you have to be strong in your own personal life, in your own personal pressures. If you're able to overcome your own Yetzirah, you're able to overcome your own temptations and your own limitations, and you're able to push yourself beyond your own limitations, then your strength will strengthen them. Your backbone, showing some backbone in your own personal life, will strengthen them. But if you're weak, when it comes to your own personal challenges, it's very easy to demand, but they should be strong. <laughs> what do you mean? They're human beings. How can they be strong? The pressure is incredible. Are you strong in your own personal life? The areas in your life that are challenging, that are difficult? But if you would be strong in your own personal life, if you would protect your own boundaries, everyone has an Israel inside of them. And there are boundaries between holiness and not holiness. If you will strengthen your own boundaries between holiness and the opposite of holiness, you will give the strength to the political leadership in Israel that they should be strong to sustain and to maintain the boundaries and not, not compromise one inch of the Holy Land to our enemies. So we all affect each other. We're all connected with each other. Now, we don't always see the connection. We don't always um, see overtly. But there's no question. When, when the Jewish people are in a state of arousal, when, when there's a group of people or individuals who are in a state of arousal, it affects everyone. The Talmud says, I mean, it says, it says it's brought down in the holy books, that if there was one Jew who was appropriate, who, li- who was a complete tzaddik, who was perfect, Mashiach would come. Why? Because we all reflect each other. If there's one person who reached Mashiach on his own personal level, it would affect and touch every Jew in the world. And ultimately, through them, it would affect the whole universe, or affect every human being that's alive. Because we're all connected. And that's why we're sure, since there was one Abraham, we're positive that one day, we're all going to be like Abraham. It's inevitable. Just like the, the fashions, you know, you have the avant-garde. Eventually, you know that it's going to trickle down. You know, eventually, the fashion will reach everywhere in the world. It may take 20, 30 years, but you know, eventually it reaches. Because the whole world is a global village. We're all connected, we're all affected. Today we see it more than ever. How the whole world is all one global village. We're all affected by each other, we're all connected. There's no, one, no one lives anymore in isolation. There's no isolated pockets. Everyone, we're all affected by each other. Today you see it so clearly. So if there was one person in the world like Abraham, 
then inevitably we're all going to be in that level. That's why inevitably Mashiach is going to come. Yes, it may take thousands of years. We may have to go through a lot until we'll get there. But there's no question because if one person achieved it, we will all achieve it. Was Moshe Rabbeinu perfect until we hit the rock? Okay, listen, that's a whole uh, discussion. We already, oh, we already discussed the sins of the tzaddikim in chapter 10. You can go back in Tanya on the website, lessonsintanya.com. We had a very lengthy discussion about the meaning of a tzaddik sins. And we discussed Moshe. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to repeat it, but it's a whole... But basically, um, it, when it's a whole different concept when we talk about a tzaddik sinning. It doesn't mean literally a tzaddik sinning. And, and that's the best proof because Moshe hit the rock and a miracle happened so that's not a sin <laughs> he did, some, sin. He did something I unbelievable but, but compared to Moshe that was considered a sin but that, that's a whole different discussion but the idea is that a Mashiach didn't come had Moshe not hit the rock and he would have t- led the Jewish people into the land of Israel Mashiach would have come so if there was one person who was perfect Mashiach would be here because if there's one, we're all connected. We're all a reflection of each other. That's why there was a great Hasidic Rebbe, I think Rabbi Lemelech of Lezhensk. He used to say, why is everyone coming to ask me to pray for them? I should pray to God for them, for their health, for their well-being, for their financial well-being. Why are they coming to me? He says, very simple. Because since the whole world, everyone is obligated to say the whole world was created for me. So why are they suffering? Because of my sins. Because since I'm not perfect, if I would have been perfect where I should be, then the world would have been perfect. Mashiach would be already. So, so they're coming to me. They're knocking down my doors. It's your fault. I am sick. It's your fault. You've got to help me. It's your problem. It's not my problem. It's your problem. You know, he said it in a very exaggerated way, but, but there's a lot of truth to that. Because we're all connected. And it's not like one versus the other. We're connected. Not only are we connected, we see it in the negative. Look, one Jew sins, and it reflects badly on the entire Jewish people. Right? Yeah. No one talks about the, the Catholic crook or the, or the Muslim crook or the... No, it's never. It doesn't reflect on anyone. It could be Muslim terrorists. doesn't reflect badly on anyone and anything. One Jewish criminal, it already reflects on the entire Jewish people. So it's not just negative. The power of positive is so much stronger than the power of the negative. Because we are connected. So if the negative reflects on all of us, how much more so the positive reflects on all of us. So the stronger you are, the more genuine you are, the deeper you are, you positively affect and elevate and lift up the entire Jewish people. This union of the source of Jewish souls with Hashem is attained through drawing forth the light of the blessed Ensof here below by being occupied in Torah and the commandments wherein it, the light of the Ensof, is clothed. And he should be intent on drawing his blessed light over the souls of the soul and of the souls of all Israel so as to unite them with him. The meaning of the union will be discussed at length later on. Know there. This, then, is the meaning of the words we recite before performing various commandments for the sake of the union of Kuchabrihu with his Shrina in the name of all Israel. That is to say, one observance of the commandments unites Kuchabrihu, the source of the Torah and Mitzvot, with the Shrina in the name of
of all the Jewish people. For the Shekhinah is the source of the source of them all. That's what they say before every mitzvah. At least we say it once a day, and we have in mind all the mitzvah that we're going to be doing that day. And I'm doing this mitzvah in order to unite the Holy One, blessed be He, and the Shekhinah in the name of the entire Jewish people. So they say clearly, B'Shem Kol Yisrael, that I am representing, I'm doing this mitzvah to unite and to connect my soul, the source of my soul, and the entire Jewish people. The Shekhinah together with Hashem, as a representative of the entire Jewish people. So I am speaking in the name of the Jewish people. I am a representative of the Jewish people. And through my mitzvah, I'm connecting not only the source of my soul, but the source of all the souls, which is the Shekhinah, with Hashem. So by doing the mitzvah, you're drawing down Hashem. You're drawing down Hashem's infinite light. Because the Torah and the mitzvah, this is Hashem's will. So it's Hashem's infinite light. So by doing the mitzvah, by using your mouth to to move your lips and to say the words of Torah. And by doing the mitzvah, you're connecting your life force, your soul, and the source of your soul, the Shekhinah, with Hashem, with Hashem's infinite light. So you're affecting a unification of the Shekhinah, the source of all the worlds, the source of all the souls, together with Hashem. And you're doing it in the name of the entire, all the Jewish people. The Alter Rebbe now notes that much more than the union of the divine souls and God is accomplished by the study of Torah and the performance of the mitzvot. These activities also bring about hamtakat adinim, the sweetening of the harsh judgment of Gvura and the transformation into, into kindness and chassidim. Before, in the text he discussed that when you study Torah, there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. Just like when your mind is studying Torah. But it's not just your mind studying Torah. Your mind is connected to your soul. It's part of your soul. Your mind is just your conscious mind. But there's also the subconscious mind. There's also it's part of your soul. So your soul, when you study Torah, when your mind, when your conscious mind is studying Torah, your subconscious mind is studying Torah. Your soul is engaged in the Torah. So there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. You're not even aware of it. So what you're doing, you're like schlepping with the arm, like just, just the tip of the iceberg, the conscious level is just the tip of the iceberg. But there's so much more going on. And when you're studying Torah, yes, you're studying the revealed part of the Torah, the part that you're able to grasp. But, but also, you're also connecting, just like your mind is connected with the idea of the Torah, simultaneously your soul is connected with the soul of the Torah, which is Hashem, His infinite self. So you're affecting a union on the deepest level, also on the source. Because we are like, we are like on the bottom, tugging the rope. You know, we can't reach the top, because we're on the bottom. What do you do if you're on the bottom and you're trying to affect change on the roof, if you're on the floor, on the ground level? So you have a rope. You tug your end of the rope, and you affect some change up, and up, up in the roof. You can't reach the roof. But by you tugging your end of the rope, you can affect the change in the roof. So too, the Torah and the mitzvot are like a rope. Hashem threw us a rope. By us tugging on our end of the rope, because the Torah and mitzvot are things we can do. They're activities we can get involved with. They're, they're engage our conscious mind. They're things that make sense to us. By us studying the Torah on our level, on a human level, on a very simple level, on a conscious level, on a logical level, we're also tugging the rope and affecting on high. We're affecting our source. We're affecting the source of our soul. That's totally beyond our comprehension.
Because it's not just our conscious mind that's studying Torah, our subconscious mind is studying Torah at the same time. Our soul is engaged in the studying of the Torah. And just like our conscious mind is connecting with the revealed part of the Torah, our soul is connecting with the soul of the Torah, with the infinite light, with Hashem Himself. So we're affecting a union on high. That's l'shem yichud kutshabrichu shkinte. We're affecting, we're uniting kutshabrichu, which is Hashem's infinite self, with shkinte, with the shkina, which is the source of our soul. So it's like a subconscious union. Our soul and the soul of the Torah, Hashem's infinite self. And we're doing it in the name of the entire Jewish people. Not just are we affecting a union between our self, individual self, and our, the source of my individual soul, but the source of all the souls is being connected and united with Hashem Himself. Now he's adding in the note, and in addition, when you study Torah and you do a mitzvah, you're also sweetening the harsh judgments. Because by nature, um, kindness and strictness are opposites. You have your right arm and you have your left arm. There's kindness, there's chesed, there's goodness and kindness and sweetness. And then there's sharpness, there's sharp, there's strength, there's strictness, there's judgment. Are you worthy? Are you not worthy? Kindness is to everyone. Whether the person is worthy, the person is not worthy. The person who acts kindly is does kindness to everyone, indiscriminately. Gevura means, no, I'm going to judge. I'm going to evaluate. Are you worthy? Are you not worthy? Are you ready? Are you not ready? You have to be worthy. Are you a vessel? Are you a vehicle? Could you handle it? Since you can't handle it, I have to restrain. I don't want to overwhelm you. You're not ready for it. I'm going to hold back. There's the accelerator and then there's the brake. The car needs both. You have to stop. You have to know when to stop. A good teacher is not only someone who teaches, a good teacher is someone who knows when to stop teaching. Because you can overwhelm your students. Sometimes you, you love them so much, you want to give them everything. Yes. Try feeding a baby a three-course dinner. But it's my ba- I love my baby. I want him to have the best. Let me take him out to the most expensive restaurant and feed him a five-course dinner. You'll kill your baby. can't handle it. You have to discriminate. You have to judge. You have to evaluate. Maybe it's too much. Maybe it's too intense. You have to break it down. Like it says, the rain represents Hashem's gevura, strength. Because imagine if rain came down in one torrent. If it didn't come down in drops, <laughs> it would be a flood. We couldn't handle it. Rain is good. Water is good. But life is saving. But if it's too much, it becomes a flood. So Hashem, out of His kindness, broke it down to drops. One drop at a time. That we can handle. That's the difference between chesed and gevura. Chesed is indiscriminate. Love, kindness, giving. Gevura is no. Are you worthy? Are you ready? Are you able to handle it? I have to cut it down. I have to break it down. So they're two opposites. But how do you sweeten the strength? How do you sweeten the gevura? How do you turn around the strength into sweetness? So he says, through Torah mitzvot, when a Jew studies Torah, when you do mitzvah, that's how you strengthen the, the gevura into sweetness. It says that's the difference between sugar and, and uh, honey. Sugar is naturally sweet. 
Honey has the ability to transform something sharp. Put something sharp into honey. Let it sit there for a while. It will transform the sharpness into sweetness. Because it's, it's sweetness with a strength. There's a power to it. Sweetness is very mild. So if it's sweet, if it's the opposite of sweetness, then it's a contradiction. But honey is sweetness with a, with a kick, with a strength. It has the ability to overcome something harsh and something sharp and to transform it into something sweet. So how do you change? And of course, that sweetness is much more intense much more powerful, much more rewarding and satisfying than something that's naturally sweet. There are people who are naturally sweet. They're sugar. They're naturally sweet. Everything is sweet. Everything is kind. Everything is mild. But take a person who naturally is not sweet. Naturally, it can be very sharp, very biting. And that person worked on themselves and changed their personality, changed their character. There's an intensity to, that, to their kindness, to their goodness, to their sweetness that's lacking in the person who's just naturally kind, naturally sweet. There's an energy there. Gevura is energy. Gevura is not just about limiting, restraining, judging, evaluating, harsh. Gevura also is an energy. The blood is the life force, is the vitality. You're alive. So there's an energy, there's a vitality to Gevurah. All life comes from Gevurah, from strength. But it's defined, it's limited. So when you're able to transform the strength, the severity, the sharpness into sweetness, there's an energy there, there's a, there's a life force. It's much deeper, much more profound than the sweetness that's naturally sweet. And that's why the kindness that will come about as a result of the exile the redemption that comes about as a result of the exile, as a result of this very harsh and bitter exile and tsaris, the sweetness that will come out of it will be so profound, so intense, much more powerful than if Hashem would have created the world where everything was sweet. Hashem could have created the world, everything is sugar, everything is sweet, everything is beautiful, everything is light, everything is good. But He did He created the world, there's a lot of nastiness, a lot of neg- negativity, negative energy, because he wants us to transform. When you sweeten the negative energy, when you transform the sharpness and the, the, the darkness into light, that's, you can't compare that sweetness to, to something that's naturally sweet. So it's only a person who went through the tzadahs, when we went through the tzadahs of the exile, that when we'll eventually will merit to see the redemption, the redemption that will come about as a result of the exile will be a sweetness, a, a sharpness that has been sweetened. So how do you sharpen the severity? How do you sharpen the sweetness? How do you transform the nastiness and the sharpness into sweetness? That's through studying Torah and through doing mitzvot. Because by, doing, by studying Torah and doing mitzvot, you're revealing Hashem. It's not just the conscious level the level that we connect with. We're also connecting with the soul of the Torah. Our soul is connecting with the soul of the Torah. What's the soul of the Torah? Hashem's infinite light. The will of Hashem. Hashem's infinite self, which transcends the whole framework 
of the world of emanation, the whole frame of reference, the whole framework of kindness and strictness. Hashem is transcendent. Hashem transcends the whole frame of reference. Therefore, Hashem is not limited. Therefore, once you reveal Hashem is infinite light, you can mix the two and you can transform the negative itself to turn into sweetness. So when you reveal and you draw down Hashem's infinite self, when you unite Hashem's transcendent self, Hashem's infinite self, you, we unite that into the Shechina, into this world. You, when, by drawing down Hashem's infinite light, you're also causing and affecting a unification of opposites. You're causing a unification, a transformation of the sharpness, the severity into sweetness, the judgments into sweetness. And that's the ultimate sweetness. Then it's a sweetness with a strength, with a vigor. There's, there's an energy to that sweetness. There's a, it's a powerful sweetness. It has all the power of strength without any of the harshness, without any of this sharpness. It's a sweetness, but it's a sweetness that's vigorous, that's vibrant, that's strong, that's intense, it's powerful. You can continue. This is affected through the coalescing of the supernal sphero of chesed in the world, kindness and severity. These sephirot, which by nature are opposites, are fused into one through the revelation and diffusion of a divine light which is spiritually superior to them both. This light is the supernal will drawn down upon these two attributes through the performance of Torah and mitzvot. For inasmuch as Torah and mitzvot are expressions of the divine will, their spirituality far surpasses the spirituality of the Sfirot of Chesed and Gevura. When the divine will, the source of supernal kindness, is revealed through the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvot, the attributes of kindness and severity are united and severity is transformed into kindness. In the Alter Rebbe's words, thereby, i.e., through the performance of Torah and mitzvot, the Gevurot will of themselves also be sweetened by the Chasadim through the coalescence of the Midot and their union by means of the revelation of the supernal will which is revealed on high through the stimulus from below, namely, its revelation here below in one's occupation in the Torah and commandments, for they are his blessed will. Thus, when a Jew reveals and draws down God's will into this world as a result of his spiritual activities, the divine will will also be revealed in the supernal spherot, resulting in the unification and coalescing of the midot, so that the gevurot are sweetened by and transformed into chasadim. Thus it is written in Idra Rabbah and in Mishnat Chasidim, Tractate Arechanpin that the 613 commandments of the Torah are derived from the whiteness, the chasadim, of arich anpin, which is the supernal will, the source of the chasadim. Although this is stated in Kabbalistic terms, the intent is clear. Kindness and benevolence are drawn down into the world through the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvah. So not only are you affecting the upper realms, the higher realms, the source, the source of your soul and the source of the entire Jewish people and Hashem and His Shechina, but you're also affecting your life, this world. 
the effect could be felt in this world. By studying Torah and doing mitzvot, you're actually able to transform the severity, the judgment, into sweetness. So even though this world, we see a lot of strictness and severity and judgment, this world could be very harsh and very nasty and very brutish. But through studying Torah and doing mitzvot, we change the world. We're actually able to draw down we're able to transform this darkness and the severity and the sharpness into sweetness. We affect within Hashem Himself, within the world of emanation, we're able to take the right hand and the left hand, so to speak, Hashem's kindness and Hashem's strength, and we're able to sweeten Hashem's strength at the source. When you're able to sweeten Hashem's strength, Hashem's strength at the source, you feel the effect in this world. You change the severity of this world, the severity of the judgment. As we say, how do we change the terrible decree? Through tshuva, tefillah, tzedakah, through tshuva, prayer, and tzedakah, good deeds. We can change, change the, uh, the terrible decree. So the effect of the Torah that we learn and the mitzvah that we do has the ability to sweeten the judgment. And it translates into the physical. It translates that in those areas in our life which we feel, um, we feel the judgment, we feel the harshness. Through Torah mitzvot, we draw down blessings. And we actually can change those judgments into sweetness. And not only for yourself, but like he said, when you study Torah and you do mitzvot, you're drawing down sweetness, not only for yourself, but for the entire Jewish people. And through them to the entire world. So we have the ability to affect, to change, change the world, change the type of world that we live in. Even though the world is rigid and divided between kindness and strictness, but when you connect with the source of kindness and the source of strictness, which is Hashem, who is infinite and undefined, then there are no limits. You can transform. The strictness itself could become sweet because they're all connected in the source. So you're drawing down the source. By you studying Torah, you're drawing down the source. And therefore, you're connecting what appears to be opposites. So you have that ability. Every time you study Torah, you're saying it's a tremendous responsibility, but what an awesome privilege. Through you, Torah, through your mitzvah, do you have the ability to connect opposites, to draw from the source, from Hashem Himself, the source that transcends these divisions between right and left, kindness and strictness, and therefore you're able to sweeten the strictness, sweeten the judgment. You have that ability through your Torah, through your mitzvah, every one of us. So when we study Torah and do mitzvah, something very real ha is happening. We affect not only ourselves, we affect the entire Jewish people. We not only affect at the source at the root, but we also affect 
we can see the impact in this world. We can bring sweetness into this world. We can transform the strictness and the judgment into sweetness. And bring blessing into the world. All of this we accomplish every time we study Torah and every time we do a mitzvah. So you have to have in mind, you have to realize what you're doing. When you do a Torah, do a mitzvah, you have to realize what's going on. At least be aware of it. He puts it in the note. But at least be, because he wants us at least to be aware of it. You have to realize what you're doing. Something very real is happening. Imagine what you're accomplishing. Don't say to yourself, who am I? What am I? I'm insignificant. What difference does it make if I do the Torah? I don't do the Torah. Do the mitzvah. After you study this chapter, you can't, you can't say that. The entire universe rests on your shoulders. You are going to coronate God as king of the universe. And without you, God is not king. Number one, A. And then you're not only connecting your own individual soul with God, you're connecting the entire Jewish people. And see, you're bringing down blessings. You're sweetening the strength. God created the world and he divided, he made a separation between the right arm and the left arm. Between strength, between severity, strength, and kindness. But by drawing down the infinite light, by drawing down Hashem himself, you're sweetening the, the severities. You're sweetening the strength, the judgments. And all of this you can accomplish the Torah. But the Torah myths would have to be alive. At least you have to be aware of what's going on. Not just, not just do the Torah myths like a robot, just going through the motions with a grim face <laughs> and just doing what you have to do. There has to be some joy, some life, some awareness. Some... You realize what you're doing. You realize what you're accomplishing. You realize what's going on. You realize what's happening. You're in the driver's seat. You're in the command and control center of the universe. This is the engine room of the whole universe. And you are the engineer-in-chief. You're pressing all the right buttons. What a wrong one. <laughs> well, uh... Maybe someone in Alaska, but hopefully, hopefully we're all pressing the right buttons. <laughs> let's speak positive. From the positive, we can figure out the other side, but let's talk positive. It's much more enjoyable. So it's, it's enough to inspire you, to give you a shot in the arm, to give you a little of a fire. Not just, this is not just, don't just do it by rote, or mechanically, or heartlessly, or soullessly, or joylessly, or... Mitzvot are alive. Do it with a little vigor, a little... Show a little interest. <laughs> this is the power of Torah and Mitzvot, the power of each and every one of us. And he's, not le- he's not letting go. This is one of the longest chapters in the Tanya. He's, he's like, he's not letting go. He says, listen, guys, you, gotta, you, gotta, you have to realize what you're doing. You have to realize what you're accomplishing. You have to realize what, what this is all about. And then the mitzvah, it's a different quality mitzvah. It's a different, it has a quality to it. There's an awareness, there's a feeling, there's, a, there's an elevation. There, there, there's... The mitzvah has a soul. The mitzvah has energy. The mitzvah has life. The mitzvah has wings. It soars. And it elevates you, it lifts you, and lifts everyone around you. Because when you're elevated, it lifts up the whole world. And not only does it lift up the whole world, it draws down all the blessings. It elevates you, it elevates and lifts up 
every soul, it elevates the entire collective whole, but it also draws down, as he says in the note, it also, it's a two-way street. When you're elevated, it also draws down all the blessings. That was the image of the ladder, Jacob's ladder. Well, it's very apropos you bring it up because right now we're in the three-week period and we're mourning the destruction of the temple. Most of the mitzvot, the majority of the mitzvot have to do with the temple. And that's why we feel the loss of the temple because we don't have the temple, we don't have the opportunity to fulfill most of the mitzvot. The Talmud says if the nations of the world would know how many blessings the Jewish people would draw down into this world by doing the service in the temple, they would have surrounded the temple and not allowed Titus, not allowed the Romans to destroy the temple. Because when a Jew does mitzvot, you draw down blessings to the whole entire world. You're sweetening the judgments. It brings godliness, it brings sweetness, it brings blessings. Um, but, so that's why a Jew yearns for the coming of Mashiach and yearns for the rebuilding of the temple because because uh, you can't, it's irreplaceable. So we have to realize what we accomplish every time we study Torah, every time we do a mitzvah. Next week we'll continue. He starts, and basically just to give a little preview, yeah, he asked, the question he's going to address next week, you know, Hasidus always placed an emphasis that a person should be genuine. Don't try to reach beyond your, don't try to be something that you're not. Be for real. Don't pretend to be a tzaddik. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. Don't talk highfalutin and beautiful language, flowery language, but it's not you. You know, it's not you. So who, whom are you kidding? Be honest. Be down to earth. Be real. Otherwise, a person can get so carried away that you're dishonest with yourself. If you're talking about levels that are beyond you. If, if, a, if a benini, if an average person will pretend to be a tzaddik who has no evil inclination, it's delusional. So that's what's troubling the Alter Rebbe, and that's what he's going to address next week, because seemingly the last thing that we learned today about this intent, about this feeling that I'm only, not only elevating myself, but I'm elevating the entire Jewish people, it seems a little out, out of our league. Well, let's be honest. For us, simple people, we could relate to the idea that we want to connect with the divine, we want to connect with godliness. That's coming, from, that's coming from a genuine place. But suddenly, I'm going to make myself the representative of the entire Jewish people, and by my studying Torah, my doing mitzvahs, I'm elevating the entire Jewish people, and I'm the one. I mean, how genuine is it? It's, it's, it's good enough if we care about our soul, we care about ourselves. But to say that I really care about the entire Jewish people, and I care about my neighbor as much as I care about myself, I mean, how genuine is that? Is that for real? Whom are we kidding? I care about my own spiritual advancement, my own spiritual growth. I want to connect with the divine. I want to lead a genuine life. But to say honestly that I care about my fellow Jew exactly like I care about myself, and that excites me, and that inspires me, and that motivates me, that I'm putting on tefillin, because by my putting on tefillin, I'm connecting every Jewish soul that's alive and entire Jewish people. This is something for a tzaddik. A tzaddik is a general soul. A tzaddik is a great soul. And he cares about the whole Jewish people and the entire community. For him, it's genuine. But for us, average, 99.9% of us, 
let's be honest, it's not so genuine. So why are we focusing and dwelling? Why are we spending so much time talking about an intent that seems to be beyond our reach, beyond our grasp? It's not the level that we're at. This is not our level. This is, this is what's troubling the Alter Rebbe, and that's what he's going to address next week. Um, how do you deal with this issue? The Rebbe would always remind us that we are a unique generation. There's never been a generation like ours, and there never will be. We are the transitional generation, the last generation of Golas, of exile, and we will be the first generation of Geula, of redemption. What an awesome privilege we have, and what a sacred responsibility we carry on our shoulders. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to bring the curtain down on the Golas once and for all? Well, Mashiach himself gave the secret away in his famous encounter with the Baal Shem Tev. He tells the Baal Shem Tev that when your wellsprings and the teachings of Hasidus will spread to every corner of the world, then and only then will Mashiach come. And therefore the Alter Rebbe sacrificed his life to carry out this directive to the Baal Shem Tev by writing and publishing the Tanya. And all the Rebbe's sacrificed themselves to publicize and to expound on the teachings of the Tan. And the Rebbe, the seventh, the Shabbos of all the Rebbe's, published over 6,000 Tanyas, literally in every city of the world. And now, for the first time in history, through LessonsInTanya.com, Tanya in depth is available and accessible. 24-6, to hundreds of thousands, Jews as well as non-Jews, in dozens of countries all around the world. Now that you've had the personal experience and the pleasure to study the Tanya, we ask you to please partner with us to make the entire Tanya available and easily accessible to each and every Jew and to the entire world. Please help turn the wish of Mashiach, the dream of the Alter Rebbe, and the vision of the Rebbe into a reality. On behalf of all of us here at LessonsInTanya.com, thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. And a special thank you for the good deed that you're about to do. In honor of your tzedakah, we will merit the coming of Mashiach now, when we'll learn Tanya from the Alter Rebbe himself. Thank you.